I want to share uh, some thoughts about um, bringing our practice into daily life. And um, I feel what's most important is to kind of have a discussion, dialogue um, amongst ourselves and uh, bring up what are the uh, what are the sticking points for uh, for you and and uh, and maybe what are the things that have really been helpful for you in um, in bringing practice into daily life? Um, but I'm going to uh, mention a few things. So I, I'd like to talk um, just for a few more minutes about the practice of the parami, the perfections. And um, uh, there's a wonderful text which is available online um, in PDF form uh, by, um, it's called, um, I think it's just called Parami uh, by Ajahn Suchito. Uh, he's a Thai forest monk. S U C C I T O, Ajahn Suchito. And um, uh, he's, uh, he gives, he gives um, a, a very deep uh, reflection on practicing the parami and, um, and the, uh, the importance of it and on uh, the depth of it. And, um, you know, he does, he does speak as a monastic, so uh, I will say that as I read this, sometimes I feel he doesn't quite you know, get what it, it is to, um, although he, you know, he lived much of his life as a lay person, but um, he's been a monastic for many, many years. So, uh, so, so sometimes I, you know, just hmm, I'm not sure you get that, but um, but it's it's really really wonderful. Uh, just with that small caveat, um, and he talks about how uh, when the Buddha, he, Buddha's first full teaching, was about the four noble truths, and um, and so we've been really uh, in maybe not talking, uh, using the, the term Four Noble Truths, but we've been talking about the Four Noble Truths on our retreat. Um, <coughs> and he said that, uh, and, and Suchito points out that you know, the Buddha taught many, many uh, kinds of people. He taught householders. He didn't always emphasize that kind of practice. Um, and these, these parami are really practices that we can bring into our daily lives, and they are, they are transformative practices. Um, and the first three, uh, generosity, virtue, and renunciation. Um, so generosity, we've been talking about. Uh, virtue, we... Um, we touched on in the beginning of the retreat in taking the five precepts and, and talking about non-harming and, and holding an attitude of non-harming and how, how this offers protection. It offers safety uh, to ourselves and to others. And so, um, so, so bringing a reflection on on virtue, ethics, morality into our lives um, is very powerful, and and it can be a a vehicle for uh, for <coughs> reflection, for um, uh, understanding how the impulses that come up uh, can be harmful to ourselves and others, and is, of course, also connected to renunciation. Because when we are seeing how our, our speech, our behaviors may be causing harm to ourselves and others, then uh, we, we can um, let go. We can exercise self-restraint, and we can uh, not do that 
engage in that harmful speech and, harm, and harmful action. And, um, and this can, you know, the practice of ethics can, um, can be um, in our home, uh, in terms of uh, not, not um, uh, inflicting harsh speech on, on people that we live with, uh, it, or lying, or uh, it can, um, can be in our place of work, you know, not, not taking you know, office supplies, home, you know, oh, nobody will notice, it's okay. It's a rich company, but, but it actually causes harm to ourselves um, as well as to anyone else who uh, may discover it and to the company and maybe, you know, a, uh, a, some, a way that's not immediately observable. And, um, yeah, sometimes um, when somebody abuses something, it, you know, it, it might seem small, then all of a sudden everybody discovers that, you know, they're, they're under surveillance. Um, and it, it, it just creates a, a much less pleasant working environment. Of course, ethics can, reflection on ethics and how what we do, what we buy, the products we use um, can be a reflection that that brings us into a whole sphere of social justice. Um, and um, you know, are we are we buying a lot of junk that we don't need? It's it's using resources that you know that is um, just perpetuating a kind of economy in which people are underpaid for making stuff that is just piling up in the oceans and landfills. Um, so ethics can bring us into that reflection. It can bring us into reflection on the systems that we live in that are oppressive to some people. Um, you know, somebody mentioned uh, white privilege and that's, you know, that, that can be a, a reflection on, well, actually, you know, things that I take for granted, um, you know, um, as, as a person, you know, not presenting as a person of color, um, that, that, you know, I, that I, maybe if I'm in trouble, I can, I can go to a police officer and not be worried, you know, that something is going to impact on me uh, negatively. Um, so, uh, so these kinds of things um, are really, really help us to widen our understanding of, of what our friends and neighbors and fellow citizens experience in their lives. And so ethics can bring us into um, a really broad and deep kind of reflection that can, can help us to engage uh, with our hearts, you know, in, in trying to change the world, uh, trying to um, engage positively for the benefit of all. And, um, and renunciation, which comes out of this practice of, of generosity and ethics, um, also is something that we practice moment by moment uh, when we're sitting in meditation. You know, just that moment of letting go of, you know, the 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 pull toward you know ruminating about something or uh, or having that you know inner uh, critical conversation and coming back to the breath resting in the breath you know that's that's 
a very profound form of renunciation. It's letting go. And, um, and it's the same letting go that monastics do. Uh, mon- because even if a monastic leaves behind you know, their family and all their possessions, still to have that inner freedom, they need to practice inner renunciation as well in exactly the same way. <clears throat> so, um, so that's just the first three of the parami, um, and um, you know they they kind of unfold into each other. Um, uh, in you know, and and also like all practices, it's not linear. We're we're going back. We're discovering new things. Um, but just to name them again, um, generosity, virtue, uh, renunciation, wisdom. Wisdom arises from insight. The insight that comes from letting go. Uh, energy. It's one of the meditation factors. So arousing energy, patience, uh, such a, a beautiful kind of the humble part par of me, I think, you know, just to be patient. It's, it's different from kind of just gritting your teeth and enduring something. Patience has a, an open-hearted attitude of acceptance and, and beginning again. Truthfulness, resolve, kindness, and equanimity. Also, some of these um, factors, as I mentioned in in the talk on generosity, I think that you know they overlap with other lists of virtues uh, and uh, and qualities of the heart. So, um, so that that can be something to explore. And you might you might say, you know, I'm this month I'm going to really just bring generosity to mind. You know, I'm going to put it on my computer, I'm going to put it in my bathroom mirror, you know, so I see it when I brush my teeth in the morning, you know, maybe there's already one, be mindful, be generous. (laughs) Uh, And, um, you know, and what does that mean? What does that mean to be generous? It can be something very small, you know, there could be an opportunity to be generous that, that we, that surprises us. You know, that we have a thought, oh, I can be generous here, I can contribute something here of my time, of my resources, uh, of my caring heart. And, um, and then, you know, we say yes to that spontaneous, uh, you know, arising of generosity. You know, so, so, so oh, this month, generosity, next month I'm really going to practice virtue and I'm going to really explore what does it mean what are the, what are the five precepts and and how do I understand them in my life and they're not five uh, kind of they're not rules you know they're very different from rules like some of us who grew up in religious backgrounds might you know have this sense of uh, you know all these do's and don'ts uh, you know just seems so arbitrary, um, and uh, so they're 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 guidelines. They're they're ethical guidelines to to bring into our uh, our life and 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 understand them and 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 live from them as we understand them authentically. So and then just just to add. Uh, of course, a daily practice is invaluable. So, um, so uh, I, it's hard to establish a daily practice. But I find I found I, it took me a long time, it took me years to establish a daily practice. But when I started going on retreats, that helped because I really began to it, a shift happened in my mind from I'm supposed to do this, I should do this. I know this is supposed to be good for me, <laughs> uh, to I really want this. This is nourishing. 
this is, you know, this is a source for me of, of well-being and, and balance and uh, a spacious mind so that I'm not reactive, so that I don't do things in my life that then I regret and I have to clean up the mess as well as I can afterwards. So, um, yeah, so, so a daily practice is so important. A reg regular retreat is a deepening um, in practice. So many people practice for years and years before they go on retreat. But, you know, an annual retreat at least is, is really recommended. Um, bringing, bringing the practice into our relationships is, is such an important factor. And, um, and it's, uh, you know, I, I've, I've reflected a lot on what intimacy means. So, and when I'm talking about intimacy, I don't just mean with, you know, a life partner, um, but I mean intimacy with, with friends, with, um, with people that we care about. Um, even, even we can be, we can have a kind of an intimacy and closeness with, with any, any person, any person that we meet. Um, there can be a moment of, of heart opening and connection. And, um, and, and our practice really gives us the, the, the spaciousness and confidence to, and, and the intimacy with ourselves you know that we know our own hearts, and we and we have this these qualities of self-acceptance and and self-compassion that help us to be open to others. Studying the Dharma, there's there's so much that's available in terms of books and um, online talks. <coughs> you know, True North Insight has. Uh, you know the all the um, the talks of our teachers and Dharma Seed is a wonderful um, website that that has many many <coughs> wonderful teachers. <coughs> so um, so let's uh, let's open it up now, and maybe uh, if there are questions or if there are reflections or uh, any, any, any kind of comment uh, is, is fine. We will be, so just to, to say, I mean, you can say anything about your practice uh, on, on this retreat. There will be a, a time at the end of, uh, after we finish this that, that um, I will invite you, if you wish, to, uh, to share a gift, to share a gift of something that you learned, something that you recognized on retreat. So, uh, so you will have an opportunity to share that after this. And so this can focus, you know, say, say anything you want, but this can focus on kind of how we bring the practice into our daily lives. <coughs> just wanted to say that for me, <coughs> that for me the most valuable time of practice has been the hardest times. For me that's why it's been so important to keep a practice all the time. Because I, in my experience to come into it when you haven't been doing it for a while in a difficult time, it's like you've got a lot of catching up to do. And sometimes practice for me it just it feels like, well, why bother everything's going so well? But it's not that's not how it works for me. Needs to be available. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. Yeah, one of my teachers um, said, "You don't really know what your practice is like until you are in a tough time, and that really shows you, you know." what your resources are and, and, and how your Dharma practice can help you and how much it's there for you. Yeah.
just to emphasize that recently, I noticed that my husband, you know, I meditate in the morning, but I also do before dinner, and he always, if I, it's summer, and I don't always want to right now, and I want to, you know, do something else, and he'll say, aren't you going to meditate? Mm -hmm. So finally I asked him, I said, why do you ask me that? Is it like you want another drink while I'm not there? <laughs> 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 he says, no, because if we have a disagreement, you will let go so easily. <laughs> <laughs> you have to work in for it. <laughs> I really see the value. Like, <laughs> back to me. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> nice. <laughs> a question came up when you were talking about the um, cessation and relinquishment. I have a question about what you're talking about with um, uh, cessation and relinquishment. Um, I'm just wondering, like, how do we tell the difference between we're actually letting go and we're cutting off because something's too painful? Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Um, it's, it's not, it's not obvious mm. to me because uh, sometimes a cessation because something's too painful actually feels good. Yeah. Or, or we don't know. We're just not aware of it. Right. Yeah, the cessation actually, um, yeah, I, I, th anyway, it's, it's just a technical matter, but I wouldn't place that kind of in cessation. I would place that, you know, earlier on in, in the kind of the process of, of um, uh, becoming aware of of uh, the body and the mind, mm -hmm. and and the the different kinds of formations that are that are happening there. Um, so meditation can be used or misused to bypass mm -hmm. um, pain. Um, emotional pain. I did it for a long time. Uh, just, um, just come back to the breath. Come back to the breath. And I developed a very sharp and clear uh, attention, but life around me was insane, and I was in denial of how crazy it was. Uh, and so um, I only saw that in retrospect uh, when I began to get better meditation instructions. Um, so <clears throat> um, so it's a nuanced response I'd like to give. Uh, from my own experience, that when when there's something which is really coming up that that needs our attention, so it could be something from the past that is unresolved, or it could be something in our present life which is disordered. Um, you know, there's something happening in a relationship or in a workplace and and we, it really needs to be addressed, but we keep avoiding it. Uh, and maybe we're, you know, finding our little uh, sense of calm and peace in practice. Um, so, so it's important uh, that we that we not deny and that we not avoid. And we know if we're denying and avoiding if these things keep coming up when we're not practicing. <laughs> you know, the thoughts, the emotions, the, the, uh, the pain, the, the anger, the hurt, you know, it just keeps coming back. And, and we need to keep, you know, you know, sitting down and feeling our breath in order to 
get calm again. So, so in that case, um, we really need to open to the, you know, what's really unfolding and acknowledge it and, and honor it and, and give it space to express itself. Um, and the breath can help us as a kind of a, an anchor for not being, not getting totally lost in, you know, the, the inner, uh, you know, argument or, yeah, uh, you know, inner conversations or stories or, um, but, uh, you know, sometimes we discover that we, we also need an ally. Uh, if if there's a situation that's that's uh, really troubling and and we don't know how to solve it, so so when we when we stop running away from our our feelings, our painful feelings, then we might reach out and you know to a friend or a teacher or or a therapist or a doctor or somebody who who can support us. Um, so, um, and at the same time, you know, when we are um, experiencing <coughs> loss, when there's painful emotions, you know, such as loss or, um, or some kind of hurt, you know, somebody has surprised us with some kind of really harmful behavior and you know it's beyond repair or something like that then we might come to the breath and just kind of just find a, a kind of a just for a few breaths just take kind of solace and peace and you know so it's not escaping we we know what the situation is you know but we don't always need to, you know, be the warrior and stand in the fire all the time. I mean, it's, it's really, you know, sometimes just, you know, practicing loving kindness, practicing compassion for ourselves. Some people find Tang Lan a really powerful practice for, for offering compassion to ourselves as well as to others. So, um, you know, and um, that wisdom piece of, of turning toward what is difficult is also, I, th I think, is a very important piece when we are uh, working with painful emotions. Because if, you know, if there's a pattern that comes from an old hurt, you know. I talked about jealousy or envy, you know, and 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 that pattern is kind of pushing us in our lives. Um, and then we be, and then at, at some point, we become aware of it. We see it clearly, like, oh wow, that mind state really pushes me around a lot, and it was unconscious until I saw it. And then, so turning toward it and learning to recognize it is really an important way to become free of it. Um, so, um, so yeah. So if we're letting, if if we're if we're letting go and coming back to the breath, and not turning toward what is painful and difficult, I think that we know because, you know when we're off the cushion, those painful and difficult thoughts keep visiting us. Yeah. Anything, anybody? That's a really great question. Anybody want to? Because I've been, uh, I've been, this is my, this was pretty much my practice. Can you speak up just a little? It was my, I, I went through that uh, between, you know, during my retreat and what I found because I was struggling with that, with the same thing, and what I experienced was if I, it's the attitude I have when I go back to my breath. 
So if I go back to my breath in an attitude of go back to the breath or like judging myself because I'm in the story, um, it won't it, 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 it like it won't it won't be so satisfying that if I just recognize the sufferings or the sufferings related to the story mm -hmm. and slowly like slowly, slowly, while recognizing, just choosing to come back to the breath, but like sometimes I would open my eyes and also like just look at the senses, different senses, just to, but it would take a couple of breaths, but if I would do that in a nurturing way, then I felt I wasn't escaping, but more processing. Yeah. That's how. Yeah. It's, it feels soft. It's yeah. like softening around it. It's, it's not cutting it off. It's not rejecting mm -hmm. it, but it's, it's softening. softening. It's, it's allowing those uh, emotions to be known in the body and, and then, you know, with kindness, mm -hmm. coming back to the breath. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and finding, maybe finding strength in it there, you know, kind of, and some stability. Yeah, it's lovely. Yeah. Um, also, like, you asked about cessation and relinquishment, and maybe those are, like, for, like further along in the path, and what you're looking for is equanimity. Uh, there was a whole retreat by Oren Sofer about it, and it's on Dharma Seed, and it's so good about when there's something really difficult, like, just in the moment, sit with it, but then when you want to investigate it, like being so careful and like going at the edge of it and then retreating and going to the edge again and then looking at it as uh, impermanent and as not self and as always based on some kind of craving um, because you're not going to get to cessation and relinquishment while that thing is still so triggering um, but you can get to that about other things and everything else maybe today and work on it as you go. So was there something else you wanted oh, to say? Oh, I had another subject, but this subject is good, so. around this is that, like, it, the feeling state associated with it, and you said, like, we were talking about is pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral, but then there's this other, like it's both pleasant and unpleasant. Uh, of, I wonder if that's also part of that. So there's something. Um, so I, I'm I'm not sure I'm understanding what you're saying. There's something about the intense emotion that is both pleasant and unpleasant. So there's something that's kind of hooking you. So there's there's craving around it, as well as um, resistance. It's both. Um, it's more like sorrow, which is hard, and in some ways unpleasant. But there's also something stops, something kind of lets go in that, which is pleasant. In the sorrow? Yeah. So when you say letting go, what do you mean? Could you please um, expand? Um, it's a, just a letting be, like knowing that things are just sort of emerging, happening, and there's no agency yeah. in this. Right, right. So that's, so there's wisdom, there's insight. So that's, that's not part of the problem. <laughs> I mean, it's not a problem, nothing's a yeah. problem, but yeah. it's, it's, it, you know, so the sorrow, the sorrow is is clinging, you know. So so when when we feel sorrow, we're clinging to something that we can't cling to, mm -hmm. and um, and then and then what you what you're finding, what you're discovering, in being in attending to the sorrow is that there's also a sense of wisdom arising that that letting go is happening, mm -hmm. you know, and so you're seeing that, and mm -hmm. that's, so that's, yeah. 
It's lovely. It, uh, yeah, because it doesn't happen, you know, just one, one moment, you know, no, like so this, and, or the, then, then we're like that. It's, no, it's, a it's, it's a process. It comes and goes. <coughs> and so I think it's really important to, to pay attention to those moments of, of where there's that acceptance and openness and things just are unfolding as they are. Um, and I'll get you. Uh, and um, uh, and 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 see that there's. It's not just sorrow as a, something solid. It's it it comes and goes, and that there's space in that. It's and that's really an important part of our um, our practice is to kind of give attention to and enjoyment to uh, what is beautiful and nourishing um, and, uh, and, and the Buddha, I, I can't remember the exact words and it's, this is not exactly what you're talking about but just in terms of giving attention to the, to the good to the, to the beautiful experiences you know, the Buddha said that when joy arises to really, um, to really take it in, uh, and to, to kind of uh, allow it to, to fill one's yeah. whole sense of being. Um, Rick Hansen talks about that. Dr. Rick Hansen, uh, a neuropsychologist, you know, he talks a lot about taking in the good, and we're we have to kind of reprogram ourselves to to actually notice that, and it's important in our meditation practice. But can we say to follow the same that equanimity uh, um, can uh, well bring joy, but also sadness uh, in the way? Because mm -hmm. if it's, uh, I think seeing the sorrow is also equanimity. Yeah. Sorrow. Yeah, equanimity doesn't bring <coughs> joy or sadness. That's it. It's, it's, a, it's living, with, I mean, it's being, not living, but being with both. Right. Right, like being open to what is and, and recognizing that, you know, we're not in control um, of how things are. So, so in equanimity, you know, as a practice, um, you know, these, these states are taught as practices uh, and, and the... Um, and one one phrase that's that's used in equanimity is um, things are as they are. Things are as they are, and um, and so you know when what's painful is arising, then you know that's what's happening in this moment. And um, you still see it. Still, oh, absolutely. Yeah, You're open to it. Yeah. And and there's some some phrases. Uh, which are really lovely for practicing equanimity in relationships. Um, uh, they're not sort of variations on the traditional ones. Uh, like, you have the right to your own, to your own choices. So, like, if you, if somebody you're in relationship with is is choosing something that you know you disagree with or you feel um, unhappy about, or in some way you even feel like it's bad for them. You know, um, and you know, and 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 yet they're they're set on doing what they want to do, and it could be, it could be for better for their betterment, and it, although you don't see it, uh, or, or or could be for their uh, to their um, uh, could you know it, it could be destructive in some way to to them, but but you can't control it. So you have the right to your choices. You have the right to your timing, to your own timing, to do what you, that, that your life will unfold in your own, in its own, in its own timing. You know, so, uh, and so, um, yeah, just being with things as they are is kind of the heart of equanimity.
other questions? Yeah. So my question was about doing like self-retreat at home. Like if, if I just have one or two days and it doesn't line up with any other activities, what, besides like taking the sketchable from here and trying to replicate one day worth of it, what, what works well to make a big, long experience rather than just trying to, oh, I meditated in the morning and at night, so it was a special day. Yeah, yeah, doing a self-retreat at home uh, is really a great thing to do. I mean, especially if you happen to live alone um, or, or you, <laughs> or you have, are living with somebody who will, you know, really give you that space. Um, so, uh, so, you know, I wouldn't even necessarily replicate this schedule. Um, I think that it could be, um, you know, doing several sittings of meditation during the day, maybe doing some mindful walking. Um, you know, if you have uh, some uh, a yard or 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 if you have a park nearby where you can do some some uh, some mindful walking. Um, if you have a yoga practice or qigong or some other mindful movement practice that you are um, that you're cultivating to integrate that maybe to listen like if you if there is a course there's so many online courses you know that you want to listen to a couple of dharma talks um, on a particular theme that you know so so maybe you listen to one in the morning and one at night um, Uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, I think that is, uh, y you know, you can fill a day with that, um, with those kinds of things. Um, if you can be in nature, like, you know, if you have a park nearby and, and just uh, kind of spend some time in the company of a tree, <laughs> uh, can be really, you know, just taking that in because, you know, how often do we actually sit down and and really enjoy uh, the the presence of nature and and because you know it's it's, it's part of why being in nature is I think so um, so supportive to deepening in meditation is that it really speaks to us of our our interconnectedness it really you know speaks to us of our um, you know, not being a separate self. So, yeah. Just yeah. add to that, that is half day. Yeah, you have if, if, you know, uh, you know, I live with a, a spouse, if he's going away to a football game or something uh, for the afternoon and I have a half day to myself, mm -hmm. I, I can do a half day retreat as well. It doesn't have to be, I'm just adding, it doesn't have to be a whole day if you don't have a whole day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. That's true. So, um, taking those little opportunities to yeah. to have a bit of solitude. Yeah. Is that good? Yeah. yeah. Just a slightly different topic, but um, you talked about feeling tones, and you talked about there being six feeling tones, which is the first time I've heard that, but, uh, which was interesting. And for, if I understand it correctly, then then the pleasant, neutral unpleasant are a consequence of our six senses and the process. And that the neutral, like the breath or whatever, uh, mindfulness of such can allow for us to experience something on a spiritual level. Is that, is that what you were saying? Well, with the discipline, I mean, just, you know, neutral by itself, uh, you know, doesn't necessarily open into I anything. But mindfulness of breath or mindful walking. Or yeah. So, so would we say that those are worldly and unworldly if we classify the two? Yeah, that's a that's a translation that's sometimes used in like in the Satipatthana. And would Sutta. we say that like pleasant would be things like rapture or jhanic states and things like that, and, and unpleasant would be things like darkness and soul, that kind of thing? Yeah. What would give? I guess I could see what would give rise to to neutral or pleasant. States, but what would give rise to unpleasant? Oh, what would give rise to unpleasant? Yeah. Um, 
Or is it something it un- we attend to? Does it does it just come it, to be? It unfolds. Like I, I you know, like it could, we could call um, spiritually unpleasant the kind of the, the that turning toward painful experience, um, and uh, you know because it being with what is difficult, yeah, because it is. It is painful, and it is part of spiritual practice. It can be, yeah, yeah, uh, and um, the way uh, I've um, I've learned about this, what is the spiritually neutral um, experience, is is actually equanimity, because it's that space that space of openness um, so it's uh, it's not you know it doesn't have a quality of being pleasant or unpleasant it holds it all but it's yeah it's cultivated and and and, and equanimity arises from insight and you know because because when we see very clearly how impossible it is to hold on to anything and how trying to do so creates stress and suffering in our lives, then um, then the mind becomes, uh, you know, like stops doing that. Yeah. Any other? Thoughts, questions? I have a question. Yeah. Um, is uh, a transition from intellectually understanding something and deep seeing, is that always through the body? Or is there, are there signs that you pass from one to the other? Can you tell? You can just tell. Please tell me it's not yeah. just you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's uh I, I think yeah, we know. I mean, it, it's um uh it just feels more embodied, more real, that it's not that we have to think about, well, I shouldn't you know, I shouldn't take this thing because uh, you know it doesn't really belong to me, um, you know. It's more like your body knows. You know, it, that's the way of suffering. <laughs> you know, to take to take something that's not yours. You know, um, or or uh, you know, like I. Um, you know, I shouldn't, it goes from knowing, uh, you know, well, the teachings, um, I keep thinking of ethical examples. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't, I'm, I'm having a hard time, you know, just finding, but it, it is embodied, it is embodied. And, um, <clears throat> It's it's holistic. So and 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 actually, really, our our body becomes our our deep ally in practice, because the body knows. Body, like the body, isn't just you know form. The body isn't just. Um, you know, in in the Satipatthana Sutta, you know, in the the contemplations on the body, and and you know, there are the thirty two parts of the body, and you know, hair and blood and skin and all of this, and you kind of dis uh, discon- deconstruct the body, and and then the body is the four elements. And the body is also consciousness is in the body. It's not. It doesn't reside in the brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, consciousness is in the body, and um, 
Uh, and so, um, you know, the body tells us. Uh, so more and more, I think, I, I find that I'm, you know, just more and more listening to my body and, mm-hmm. and it's, it's, it's a great ally in practice. Yeah. My body tells me, you know, um, you have to go and sit and meditate. <laughs> you know, you know, because because I just feel it in my body that I need to do that. Yeah. Is there something? Yes, but. Um, that seems to be more, I, I think, I'm thinking more of the final stage, I would say cessation. Sarah, can you speak louder? <coughs> speak up a bit, please. I, 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 was, I, was, I, was mention, I was thinking when I asked the question about uh, more further down the path kind of okay. states. Right. You know, how, how, how you can tell. Yeah, the body, the body is, you know, you have to feel emotions in the body for you to understand whatever, anger, anger. Yeah, anger. yeah. But the other one, cessation. Right, okay, I was, I was, and responding as I was because you framed it in terms of when you go from intellectually understanding to deeper practice. And so that's not, you know, around, you know, the cessation place. That's, that's kind of really uh, coming into the body and seeing impermanence in the body, seeing, uh, seeing impermanence in, in thoughts and feelings and perceptions. Um, which is at the end, actually. But, but we're, we're, we're practicing it all through the uh, Anapanasati. Yeah. Yeah, so. Yeah, I, you know, your question, um, I, I had such a difficult time last night because of what was going on in my body. And it was interesting um, now because I'm relating to it with what's going on in my head. And, and I, I got quite distressed for quite a long period of time. Yes, I was using my breath, but I, I think that, you know, I guess in a retreat, and maybe this is a question, that your body, your body can feel many things, right? I mean, you know, obviously, right, you know, with your breath or, but I, I guess it was at a, some different level or something. I I, um, I got into a bit of a tangle in my head about it, and um, and so I was trying to relax it and uh, try try to go to it perhaps with some openness. It, it was just a a very overwhelming experience. Um, I mean, I, I sort of feel a bit better, uh, you know, these uh, judgments, but. It's interesting about, I think that I, I don't pay enough attention to my body. <laughs> so maybe that's the <laughs> um, uh, I, I don't know if any of us do it really, but um, I, 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 think, I think it kind of came out of nowhere. I think that maybe I'm not explaining it well. It came out of nowhere. You know, my stomach started to bother me terribly, and um, I—I'm uh, not sure what I'm saying really, but um, that I'm so used to relating to things through my head, through my emotional self, but that we forget some that our body is going to. Right. You know, you know what's what's going on with your body, Joan. I don't do that automatically. Right. I need to. It's it's hard to know. It's hard to know because. Yeah. But you know, illness. I mean, there are systems of medicine that really treat illness as expression of the mind and 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 that and balance in the body of energies which 
are you know connected to the mind mind and body are not seen as somehow separate so um, I know that I've had uh, manifestations of um, you know problematic symptoms in my body and I, I really intuit that they are connected to what's happening in my practice, yes. but it's really hard to address them ex precisely because I don't know exactly what, why they're manifesting that way and, and, and exactly what to do. So, yeah. except just <laughs> keep going and, you know, uh, be, perhaps be gentle and, um, and not, uh, yeah, uh, not, you know, make sure that, um, you know, I'm following up with the conventional medicine and not just assuming that, that you know, if, <laughs> if I'm feeling nauseous that it has to do with something in my practice, but, you know, or feeling pain or something, but always also, you know, being sensible about it and and following up uh, with conventional medicine. So um, it was interesting in the yoga yeah, because there was some discussion about releasing. Yeah. You know, it, it, it was interesting. You know, this is later, like in the you know when I thought last night or something. I'm sort of connecting with some things, and I, you know, once I got past my reactivity, oh my God, you know, like I'm something's happening terribly, but. Okay, got past that, and I quieted myself, and um, and I, I did I did think about that. I hadn't given as much credence to that before, but about releasing, um, you know, again, it's, it's this problem-solving mind, this intellectual head that goes on all the time. Okay, uh, that's important. <coughs> Yeah, yeah. It, it was just an interesting. It has left me yes. this much. Uh, oh, can I just comment? Sure. She was yeah. a yoga student, yeah. and it's funny because Sylvie told me the same thing that she had stomach pain, and I think uh, we did something over the block uh, yes. between the shoulder blades, and yeah, we relaxing in the posture. I don't know if, but that could maybe release tensions, but it's hard yes. to know exactly what it is and, and it's difficult. Yeah. You just have to trust the process, but, <coughs> but it, yeah, sometimes you do have you do have symptoms like mm -hmm. that that come, but it's difficult because you can't like say exactly why, but I think it's to trust yes. that, that, that happens in yoga. I think it's to yes. trust. Well, you probably had a good practice in the sense that something released or something got tension or... <laughs> but if it comes again, I think it's more the repetition that uh, if, it, if, if it caused a release in your mind also, that's... Yeah, it didn't initially, but I, I, I'm, I'm sort of working on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it's happening because I, I had some lovely moments of peace this morning, your moments. Mm. And I thought, oh, okay, lovely. Yeah. yeah. Did you have a comment? Um, yeah, I'm not sure if it answers the question, um, but there is, I mean, it does take uh, time to kind of understand the whole when you do something by, you do something that you're not supposed to be doing and you do it often and then you realize, hmm, maybe I shouldn't be doing that and then you kind of integrate it into your practice. And <clears throat> if I understood what you were saying, is how do you know in, how do you know when your body's telling you, uh, no, I'm not supposed to do that, or I'm not, you know. Um, and I'm thinking of ethics again. Um, for me, it's kind of, I kind of get this, like, my body, like, it's almost like physically, my body stops doing my tracks before I kind of, and I think it's, again, it's a practice of noticing, oh, I used to like go for that, and now all of a sudden I, it's almost like something yeah. like, oh, stops me, it's like, oh, 
so it's, I think it's the more and more you notice those that those moments, you know, you're, that when you start to be able to embody it, you know, not grasping for something, not going for something, mm -hmm. rather. But it does take a while to kind of get yeah. to that point, for sure. Um, it's taking at least six years, for sure, to kind of. Yeah. But now I notice those moments where I'm, I'm, I'm very visual and <laughs> I like to explain things so that like, but yeah, it kind of almost, it feels like something it's, has like, oh, it's like all of a sudden there's a wall in front of me and that thing that I'm trying to grasp. It's it's an embodiment of renunciation, really. It, yeah. You know, the the body is uh, kind of and it does physically incorporating. Feel yes. something. Yeah, it does physically feel yes. something. It does feel like there's like there's a weight right here. For me, it's like a weight right there that's telling me no. Mm -hmm. that kind of that's weight. great. Yeah, that's what I was trying to <coughs> when I said the body becomes our ally. You know, yeah. it really is. Mm -hmm. Just yeah. So coming back again to Sarah's question, the way I understood about renunciation, yes, in uh, in some ways, like um, I don't remember your name says, but what about renunciation? You know, um, like a deeper meaning. You know what I mean? Like a, a larger renunciation. Yes, uh, in our daily lives, we can start with to uh, feel the renunciation of doing something or eating some I don't know, whatever, you know, stealing or whatever it is we do. Um, but on a larger level, uh, it's, it, um, with, you know, I understand that, yes, intellectually, one can pretty well grasp it, you know, at some point, at some times, some periods, but uh, will that be felt too, you know? This, I think that what you're doing is you're, 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 you have an idea of what renunciation looks like. Yeah. But actually, renunciation is realized moment by moment, mm -hmm. you know, and in the subtlety of our practice, whether it's on the cushion or off the cushion, mm -hmm. that renunciation is letting go of the mind that, that uh, grasps that pushes away or that ignores, you know, or yeah. tunes out. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, waking up to that and, and not... Mindfulness. Hmm? Mindfulness. Well, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's mindfulness and, um, and it's, you know, it's, uh, you know, the, the whole practice of just um, recognizing and, uh, and releasing. So, so what, you know, so I, I, would, I would say let go of your idea of what renunciation you think might look like, you know, um, whether it's a hermit in a cave or, or, you know, somebody who is unmoved by life, you know, but, and, and really just discover, bring an interest in, in your own, Life, what, yeah, in, in this moment, you know, what does renunciation look like? Uh, what does renunciation feel like? Um, you know, what is, what am I holding that I can let go of, or what am I pushing away uh, that I can, you know, open to? Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, one. One more. No, that's fine. Thank you. Yeah, it's okay. I do have something I'd like to add. The way what's ha something is happening lately is when I understand something intellectually, like I'll get some teaching about you know, some of the ethics or whatever, then I don't do it because of fear of the consequences if I do, like karma or, you know, I'm responsible for it. But when I really embody that teaching, then it comes from a place of loving kindness. The fear is not there anymore. It's, yeah. Mm, that's that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. it's lovely. Thanks. Thanks for that. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. It's a really beautiful discussion. And um, and you know, even I 
like not everybody spoke, but um, everybody was present. So thank you to everyone for for engaging in this way, listening and and taking in, as well as expressing yourselves. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.